Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Again, Mark. I hope everyone had a great Okay, I'm starting over. Okay. I hope everyone had a great weekend. And uh thanks for tuning in for a Tuesday afternoon nightlight part two. Um one of the points behind this show is not to forget the people who got us to where we are today. When we've had ufologists like Kathleen Martin as a guest, uh, you know, we've gotten to know Betty and Barney Hill. Um, Michael Carter uh, frequently r- recaps his discussions with uh, Bud Hopkins. Uh, how much uh, do we know about uh, people associated with the emergence of moder- the modern study of UFOs? Uh, George Adamski is, you know, one person. We have Gerard Artson with us today to teach us about uh, George Adamski's controversial UFO research. Uh, Gerard has several publications about Adamski, and he has a new book entitled The Adamski Book of UFO UAP Disclosure, Early Evidence and Answers Now Confirmed by Science Philosophers, Activists, and the Military. Uh, It's a terrific book, um, and you can uh, get the books at Amazon, um, and you you can learn more about Gerard by going to his website, The AdamskiCase.nl, 
and there's hyphens uh, between the and Adamski. Um, and I think this show has many con- connections to uh, recent shows. And it's a preview of next week's show with uh, Ken Godsword and a super special guest, uh, <laughs> the Cat Lady, about their <laughs> new, about their new book uh, before Roswell. Uh, hi, Gerard. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm do, doing really well. Uh, you know, looking forward to doing an afternoon show. Yeah, you know, it's fun to you know, do these little uh, change ups here, here and there, and then have Barbara laughing at me in the background. <laughs> but um, yeah, so let, let's uh, get to know a, li- <clears throat> a little bit about uh, George. About George Adamski. Um, yeah. You know, um, you know, what's his? Uh, okay, he was born in 1891. Uh, you know, let's get a little bit of uh, biographical material on him, and you know, kind of work our way forward over the next hour or so. Sure, sure. Uh, well, s- some listeners, hopefully most listeners, but uh, since I started writing and publishing, I found that his name has, you know, was almost forgotten. Um, but, um, yeah, m- many people still remember him as the uh, first of what we now know, know as the contactees of the 1950s. Um, person who came forward with his uh, stories, accounts of his uh, contacts with visitors from space. And like you said, he was born in 1891 in uh, what is now Poland, um, emigrated to the United States with with uh, his mother and father and his elder sister, or just a younger sister, I'm not quite sure if she was a year older or a year younger, um, Lena. Um, and they arrived, um, if I remember correctly, around 1895, um, and settled in Dunkirk, New York. Um, and uh, well, George led a rather, you know, um, humble life. Uh, uh, their family, like many other um, immigrant families, had to start from scratch. And um, he worked uh, alongside his father in the uh, in the uh, locomotive um, factory in uh, in Dunkirk um, before uh, going into the army. Um, and he served in uh, in Columbus, New Mexico, um, uh, during the uh, Mexican uh, troubles. And he was even uh, captured. Uh, during the uh, raid on Columbus, New Mexico, by uh, Pancho Villa, um, but uh, miraculously uh, released again, uh, he was among a group who were supposed to be executed. Uh, just when uh, Pancho Villa himself uh, arrived and uh, uh, told him, uh, told his men to release the uh, U.S. soldiers, but before that. Um, as a, as a youth, as a, as a child, in fact, um, um, 
the uh, the story goes uh, that um, he was taken to Tibet for a uh-huh. private education, private tuition. Um, I personally believe that happened on a number of occasions. Um, how he went there, I doubt that he went there, you know, by by boat and 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 train or what ha- what had you at, in those days. Certainly, no trains to uh, to Tibet from Bombay or Kolkata in India. Um, so I leave that to the imagination of uh, of the audience. Um, but he was trained there. Um, and um he in fact he he wrote a book for a long time it was thought that it was his his first publication titled wisdom of the masters of the far east and that gives a beautiful concise um um yeah summary i would say of of the teachings uh, that he received there and and they are very very close to what i have be- come to know as the uh, the teachings of the ages wisdom that have come to us through the likes of Manu Blavatsky in the late 19th century and later elaborated on um, by uh, Alice Ann Bailey um, and and um, and Benjamin Cram and others um, in the 20th century um, so he was active um, Adamski was active early on. Um, he, before he started teaching as a metaphysics teacher, he worked as a house painter and, and did several other menial jobs. He um, he said he had a business going. I assume in house painting, but I'm not sure. Uh, before something went wrong, and he was kind of like forced to go to to go into teaching or at least the the uh, opportunity arose for him he settled in uh, los angeles around 1928 and uh, uh, you know before there was uh, hardly any radio and television so uh, people in the more remote uh, towns um, saw it as a, as a kind of entertainment to to uh, hear his lectures and his and probably other people's lectures um, in this case, about metaphysics, and that's where and, he. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, and you know, we get into the 1930s, and you know, he has a little career in teaching, and he also founds the Royal Order of Tibet in. Uh, Laguna, Laguna Beach. Beach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that happened just, you know, um, he, he actually um, founded the Royal Order of Tibet, or at least the name uh, appears in his, uh, what turned out to be his first publication, The Invisible Ocean, published in 1932. Um, and that was just before he moved to, uh, to uh, Laguna Beach, uh, artist colony at the time on the California coast. And uh, at the Royal Order of Tibet, he um, he uh, had students. He had a community of students uh, where he taught the uh, the things that he learned uh, in Tibet. And again, you know, very very closely uh, related to um, to what we now know as the Ages Wisdom teachings. And this was before he uh, you know he ever 
spoke at least about uh, about the uh, the flying saucers. Although in 1938, one of his benefactors, in fact his first major benefactor, who bought the property where the royal order was uh, was established in Laguna Beach, uh, bought him a six-inch uh, telescope, and that was installed already in the gardens of of uh, the royal order of Tibet's uh, premises. Um, so we had an early interest in in uh, space in astronomy, mm-hmm. um, and um, he continued to teach there until 1940, and that's when he moved to uh, Valley Center, not far from Palomar Mountain. And um, four years later, he moved uh, further up the mountain and established uh, the Palomar Gardens community uh, with uh, his wife and some students. Um, and um, there he uh, and his community, his group stayed until I believe 1960 around and it was there that he took his first he he had his first sightings of craft in the sky Uh he took his first photographs early photographs of of craft Uh, you know uh, he had a a box camera that he uh, had attached to his telescope um, and managed to uh, to take uh, remarkably clear photographs of uh, craft in space against the moon, for instance. Um, and in 1952, November 1952, um, on a hunch, he, with um, two co-workers and four friends, um, went out for a picnic into the Coxcomb Mountains uh, in, the, in the California desert. Um, and um, they were hoping to spot... Uh, spacecraft and soon enough uh, around noon that day they uh, they saw a uh, mothership um, from which uh, emerged several uh, uh, smaller flying saucers scout craft and one of them that day landed in the nearby foothills uh, Adamski went over um, his companion stayed by the roadside and saw that he had a an, uh, an exchange with uh, 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 somebody who had stepped out of the flying saucer and um, when he returned he told them about his exchange and four days later uh, four of the uh, people present uh, went to um, to Phoenix, Arizona and talked to the Phoenix uh, Gazette and uh, that's when the first um, report about uh, contact between someone from space and a man from Earth, being George Adamski, uh, was um, um, shared with the world in the Phoenix Gazette of the 24th of November, and that's okay. where his fame started. Okay, so so we're only talking like uh, what five years after Roswell. You know, you do get into. You know, uh, people like uh, G- General Marshall, who uh, did believe in you know UFOs, extraterrestrials. Um, but you know what? What was the you know just general public view of this type of you know science fiction kind of? Uh, stories. Uh, uh, you, know, you have uh, Kenneth Arnold's uh, uh, reporting 
about uh, Matt, uh, the sightings about uh, around Rainier. Uh, but ha- so we're starting to get a few uh, uh, bigger name people from that time, you know, talking a little bit about uh, th- this kind of in- information. Uh, how how did most people uh, react to uh, the, the, this new science fiction y kind of mm. stories? Well, it's see the uh, the public depended on the media, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just uh, mentioned General Marshall. Uh, known for the Marshall Plan, of course, that was uh, very significant in getting Europe back on its feet after the Second World War. And uh, General Marshall, um, I referenced in my book because he um, um, was he, he stated in private that he was present uh, during a conversation um, where no, he he, he was overheard um, saying that the United States authorities have established that the flying saucers were manned by visitors from outer space. So that is an implicit um, uh, confirmation um, by an official of the reality of extraterrestrial visitors. But of course, this was in private. And at one point, it was reported in, in Flying Saucer Review, a UK magazine, um, and uh, as we all know, since since the Roswell crash and the uh, sightings of Kenneth Arnold uh, over uh, Mount Rainier, um, the authorities publicly did everything to make the public believe that you know it was all nothing. And uh, well, first of all, Roswell was a was a balloon that crashed, a weather balloon. Uh-huh. Even, even though initially the uh, the army uh, reported that they had found the uh, debris of, of a crashed saucer, but the, the next day or the same evening, uh, General Ramey was sent out to the media to um, explain and reassure the public that no, there was nothing extraterrestrial about it, it was a weather balloon. And since then, but especially when the public became interested through people like George Adamski, you know, very humble people with no no social status or anything, no authority um, in in any kind of discipline, scientific right. or otherwise. Um, George Adamski, Truman Bathroom, Daniel Fry, um, Buck Nelson, and many others in the United States, in 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 South America and Europe. Um, I don't know about Asia. Uh, but many, many in those days reported not only seeing um, flying saucers, as they were called at the time, we would now call them UFOs or UAPs, um, but many also reporting having been contacted. So the public, on the one hand, was told, no, it's all science fiction, um, you know, and, and of course science fiction shows and f- movies were very popular at the time. And on the other hand, they had these uh, these accounts from from people who had, um, you know, no uh, no status uh, about their personal experiences. Um, the message that, without exception, during the 1950s, all these contactees were asked to give to humanity to share with humanity was one of 
major concern for the way things are going here, you know, with the uh, uh, nuclear standoff between the United States and its allies in the Soviet Union and the right. Eastern Bloc, uh, which put a, a massive uh, psychological weight on, not, you know, on, on, the, on the public uh, around the world, the global population and humanity as a whole. It was a, it was a, a psychologically stressful time, which lasted in, well into the 60s and 70s, as we know. Uh, and and these uh, these space visitors asked their their human interlocutors to um, tell the world of the dangers of this approach to resolving conflicts, and to urge us to seek cooperation, international cooperation, to resolve our differences um, in which, under which circumstances they would be able to share with us uh, their, their uh, advanced technology for safer um, energy um, uh, power generation, for instance. Um, because of the uh, nuclear arms race, um, the authorities at least we know in the UK and the United States uh, became concerned about public support uh, for their for their um, uh, defense uh, expenditures. So everything was done in their power to uh, discredit these uh, these uh, contactees uh, to the extent I believe that uh, you know even alien abductions and cattle mutilations were staged to make the public confused, to confuse the public and scare the public about uh, potential extraterrestrial visitors. No, they're, they're all a fantasy, it's all science fiction, and yes, you should be scared because they abduct uh, people and they mutilate cattle. You know, so that's the, um, that's the state of affairs in, in those days. Okay, well, um, you, uh, <clears throat> let's backtrack for a second. Um, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, there's some debris found at the, the Roswell crash, and George uh, said he had a magnetic uh, turbine that fell from the sky in 1910 over Marion, Ohio. Uh, Okay, so you know, from nineteen what forty seven to uh like uh when do you find that like fifty two, fifty three, uh it, it, you know, there's some of this um in that five, six year uh period we're starting to see um you know the what we the modern people would recognize as some of these patterns uh, uh emerging um and uh, you know so finding this uh turbine from some something that fell in nineteen ten okay we have the Wright brothers making their flight in 1903. Uh, there's really not an Air Force or too much other than you know, maybe some kids flying a kite 
there really isn't man-made things flying very much in, in 
many military men and people in governments, diplomats, they knew about the reality. Uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, to their benefit that the public would know and believe uh, th that reality. So um, whatever Adamski said, I mean, in the 1950s, there was, there was, um, you know, people were skeptical, even in the scientific circles and, and military circles, but they were also more open-minded before it became an all-out disinformation campaign to discredit him and his fellow contactees. Um, but he never swayed from his uh, from his account and the fact as he knew them. You know, he, he stood by what he uh, had had said from the beginning and. Uh, he shared his experiences, uh, incredible as they may have seemed and still seem to, to many people. Uh, but he he was, I, to my mind, he was the bravest of all the contactees because he just stood by his experiences and did what what was asked of him to do, to share his experiences with the world. And, uh, and other contactees eventually, over the years, you know, after much public ridicule, they buckled and they, they sometimes withdrew their, their accounts um, or they became, you know, they, they became um, self-appointed galactic uh, emissaries uh -huh. and what have you. Um, they sort of lost their way. But Adamski always remained simple, just serving the public with uh, by sharing his his information. Yeah, and, and you were just talking about Adamski is uh, just a simple guy. Uh, I don't know how much limited formal education. Yeah, I, I don't think he was really seeking the spotlight. Um, you know, he eventually got into it, though. But um, is, is there something about George that would have attracted the uh, UFOs that, you know, um, out in the desert, or you know, would given him rides to uh, Venus. Uh, you know that he he claims he he had. Uh, is there? I was just kind of wondering wondering about his. Uh, affiliation with religions uh uh you know studying in tibet uh starting uh churches in the laguna beach area it was there some kind of trait about him that you know we're discovering today uh like uh you know, there's generational contacts. Is there anything that we can explain why these paranormal activities were kind of centered around him? 
Well, to set the record straight, he didn't found churches. You know, he he started off with the uh, Royal Order of Tibet. He, they the premises in Laguna Beach was called the Temple of um, uh, Scientific Philosophy, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you know, he soon, and that's I believe one of the reasons why he left for Palomar Mountain. He soon realized that um, it's it, it's not about uh, organizations and, and and leading being a leader of an organization i think um what um what made him so suitable was his open mindedness um and uh, i think it was his 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 fate um he was trained at a very young age to be this um, channel of information to to uh, w- work to serve as this channel of information. Um, uh, he was not at all, uh, you know, a, a flawless uh, character or an infallible human being, and he never claimed to be. Um, so um, you know, and and many many critics and so-called or self-appointed UFO researchers have just dismissed his philosophies and his teachings as a new kind of UFO religion. It's absolute nonsense, especially when you look at it from our current understanding through quantum physics of the reality, you know, the nature of reality where consciousness is found to be at the foundation of our our um three-dimensional world um so and and when you look at his teachings whether it's from the 1930s in laguna beach in his letters to his students or uh in the accounts of his uh, of his uh, contact with visitors from space and the philosophy that uh, derived from it it's all um, you know, it, it's it's all uh, along the same lines, and, and um, it's not contradictory anywhere. He, it's always about consciousness as the uh, the um, means, so to speak, through which life manifests and the evolution of consciousness. And yeah, personally, um, based on research and what what uh, what I've read in in the accounts of people who worked closely with him. There are indications um, that uh, he was, in fact, a soul from Venus who incarnated here, especially for the pur- for this purpose of being the uh, contactee and the most foremost contactee of the uh, space visitors in the 1950s to prepare humanity for the fact that um, the realization that we are not alone in the universe that. Uh, all the planets in our solar system are inhabited, even though our probes and um, you know our, our lunar lunar modules, etc., don't find anything in the carbon-based reality. But uh, um, you know, again, um, present-day science indicates that uh, there there are dimensions beyond our three-dimensional carbon-based reality. And it is my personal contention that uh, life may just as well exist, intelligent life forms um, at uh, physical levels above the the physical, the three physical levels that we know and experience, you know, the dense physical, the liquid physical, and the uh, gaseous physical. After all, you know, 
uh, science of astrophysics says that it, there's 90% of the universe that it cannot find. They, they know it must be there in terms of matter, but they can't find it. They can't pinpoint it. So they call it dark matter, dark energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where, and, and that's why I believe it's, uh, it's not only an answer to Fermi's paradox. You know, uh, there's so many, uh, so many, the universe is so large. There's so many planets and galaxies. Uh, uh, so there must, by, by way of logic, there must be other intelligences out there. So why haven't we found them? Yeah, that's Fermi's paradox. And um, to me, that is the answer to that paradox. And um, Adamski, like you said, writes in his uh, in his books, especially Flying Sources Have Landed and Inside the Spaceships, of his contacts coming from planets like Venus and Mars, but also Saturn and Jupiter. Um, and uh, with, uh, with our present-day science, uh, I don't think that is... Uh, that is really out of the realm of the possible uh, anymore. Okay. Oh, sorry. And and oh. and what I was going to say, yeah, he um, uh, there are there are suggestions in from people who worked closely with him, such as Desmond Leslie, the uh, uh, the co-author with yeah, co-author. whom uh, with whom Adamski published the Flying Sources Have Landed. Um, that Adamski was a soul from Venus who incarnated here you know and also according to the Ace of Wisdom teachings we incarnate and reincarnate to gradually evolve in consciousness to reconnect with the source of consciousness and gradually uh, perfect our our um, our bodies physical emotional and mental to manifest more and more of our divine nature and uh, and so uh, Adamski, uh, I believe, uh, incarnated here for his mission to serve humanity by by bringing us this uh, this notion of visitors from space and and that uh, there's uh, intelligent life all around us, even in our own solar system. Okay. So with the these uh claims that you know he he uh traveled to Venus and he also said you know he uh reincarnated uh from Venus um it, okay some of this stuff sounds a little out there mm-hmm. but When we look at photos that you know, Adamski's photos that you have uh, published in your uh, some of the comments that uh, he he makes in his writings that we find them being discussed today in more detail. Uh, you know, we kind of, it, it, so the point I was making is like the, there's some science is reporting on you know, like the early 50s that we're just discovering now. For example, 
uh, a photo of a UFO in front of the moon that seems like it has a uh, like force field around it, a Department of Defense photo that you put uh, next to it has something similar. It, it looks like there's like some kind of <clears throat> protective bubble around it. Uh, you know, when uh, Wallace Wagner has been a guest with us, uh, you know, we've had some photos on the uh, YouTube uh, archive where some of these medieval paintings have mm. these uh, looks like stars with someone in them driving driving the uh, uh, craft, and there's kind of like a protective shield that's depicted in these like 14th century uh, paintings. So, yeah. so, so what? Uh, so he he's being uh, picking up on things that it. Are being uh, uh, confirmed by modern science. In other words, the uh, uh, fireflies and Van Allen belt. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about how, how did someone discover this stuff before it was discovered by the official, you know, scientists? Exactly. Yeah, and and. Uh... Uh, Adamski describes um, what are now known as the Van Allen Belt um, in uh, in his book Inside the Spaceship um, uh, because he experienced it and he saw it perhaps on the, on the screens in the ship that he was uh, invited on. Um, the same with the fireflies effect that the astronauts later experienced um, on, in um, out of orbit uh, flights. Um, and the I, I don't know uh, a lot about uh, about uh, astronomy or astrophysics, uh, but uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. How how could he write about these things if he hadn't experienced them or or had been in in space himself? Uh, there's another example that I found and 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 used in the same chapter in my book of. Um, yeah, dots of light that he photographed near the moon in um, in 1950, and uh, a group of scientists who have been uh, researching, uh, looking at old photos made by the, the George Adamski took photos and and uh, uh, and photographed dots of light or or uh, saucer shaped. Uh, figures in front of the moon out in space uh, with a camera attached to his six-inch telescope. Now, this group of scientists, um, they um, went through old photographs taken by the uh, Palomar Observatory Sky Survey program that ran from 1949 until 1958, and they found very similar photographs of, of groups, of, you know, we would probably refer to it as, as formations of, of light that could not be explained by any other known astrophysical phenomena or, or photographic uh, phenomena. Um, 
So Adamski was ahead of the game in, in so many respects. Um, and the f- interesting thing is he wrote uh, again to one of his students that he had taken photos and he said, you know, uh, the Palomar Observatory, I know they also have those photos because he had uh, he had good contact with several people uh, who worked there. Uh, one was uh, um, um, what Joseph Johnson. Joseph Johnson, who was the son of uh, of his first benefactor in Laguna Beach, and he was uh, he worked as an astronomer with the Palomar Observatory. Um, Fritz Twicky, the Swiss uh, astro- astrophysicist, um, um, who um, first posited the idea of dark matter, um, came to visit Adamski several times uh, at the Palomar Gardens Cafe. Um, uh, so Adamski wrote to his student, yeah, I know they, uh, you know, they photographed the same things I photographed, but of course you can't expect them to share that information because they are working together with the military and they're not free to, to release these things. So yeah, he uh, was ahead of the game in many, many ways. And uh, yes, speaking of the uh, Palomar Observatory, you, know, you write, also it is striking that the Palomar Observatory astronomers noted the glints were not visible half an hour earlier or six, day, six days later, but as Adamski observed, such information from them cannot be expected because they worked with the military. But right. that, uh, uh, there's you know, proof that his photos showed something, and you know the observatory said, well, "Okay, yeah, we kind of have to agree with that, but we aren't going to say anything." Right, yeah, and and these photos I published uh, on on the previous pages of that uh, in in my book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's photographic evidence, uh, just as as uh, the one that you you know just mentioned the uh, the saucer shaped craft with a slight uh, hint of a force field that he photographed also in 1950 and and uh, when you compare that with one of the uh, stills from the US Navy videos that were leaked in 2017 through the New York Times and later mm-hmm. confirmed by uh, by the Pentagon to be authentic uh, it's just uh, it's just striking it's amazing how similar they are yeah but it, of course it, in his day Adamski uh, well, in his day, maybe not in the 1950s, because his photos were not so well known yet. But and he only shared them, uh, you know, with visitors to the cafe. Uh, but uh, later on, when they became better known and uh, pu- he published his photos in his books, uh, he was ridiculed. And now we can see we see that they are actually being confirmed from uh, from uh, the um, from the Pentagon. Yeah, and of course, I mean, let me clarify. The Pentagon is not saying no. Adamski was right after all. But if you put them next to each other, it's it's quite clear that Adamski, with his much uh, more primitive equipment, made very similar photographs. Yeah, and and like for okay, the the uh, sort of one department. Uh, Department of Defense photo came out in he said 2017. It, uh, you know, the Firefly uh, statement was, what, 15, uh, you know, just under 20 years prior to people actually going to the moon, and mm. they had that phenomenon happen inside the 
uh, spacecraft. So uh, it, it gives us more credence that uh, he – maybe he really did make these trips. How, how did he know that 20 years before it would be officially um, covered on uh, – oh, which – where is it? Paul, uh, Paul, uh, the moonshot. Yeah. It, um, he uh, Adamski wrote about the fireflies effect in his in uh, in his book Inside the Spaceships. Um, right, right. He said it was his trip, his first trip in space in February 1953, and that was published in 1955. And um, the astronauts uh, on Mercury 7 uh, mission, it was John Glenn, uh, they described the same phenomenon in uh, 1962. So that's nine nine years years after Adamski experienced it. Okay. I I was off a few years, but uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. February 62. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I think your Kate, uh, that example uh, is just something really makes the case that what did he experience? Um, it, 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 I, I just find it, it, your your information just really. Uh, pull me into the story about it sounds outrageous but when he is so accurate with what we would discover later that you have to wonder maybe this really did happen exactly yeah yeah it's you know um and i think that's you know one of the reasons why it's uh important to not not forget these people who made contributions and you know like you said uh, you know maybe uh uh his name may be uh more of a footnote but you know let's not forget what George Adamski did and keep keep him on the front uh, burner. Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, intriguing. And there's also cover um, on on your website, uh, and you do have some footnotes in your book about his. Correspondences with um, Emma Emma uh, Martinelli. Yeah, yeah, Martin, uh, Emma Martinelli. It, uh, with all these uh, correspondences with Emma and you know, some of the other people we discussed uh, early in the show, uh, what do all those letters? Uh, Reveal about his uh, convictions about what his experiences. Mm. See the letters to Emma Martinelli. Um, I found of extreme interest 
because they were written between 1950 and 1952. So in 1950, Adamski was obscure. You know, nobody knew about him. He had left his his uh, tenure, so to speak, as a metaphysics teacher in Laguna Beach. He was living an uh, 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 a quiet life on Palomar Mountain with his group of students. He had he did publish. Uh, he had a brochure out in 1946, uh, the possibility of life on other planets. His interest in in space and and uh, life on other planets um, uh, was already uh, apparent uh, at that time. In 1949, he wrote a book, Pioneers of Space, um, and uh, that was sold through the Palomar Gardens Cafe and it did reach people in you know in wider California and one of those people was Emma Martinelli and she wrote to him about it with with several questions that she had and to me it's of interest because it was before he became famous for his contacts with people from space and, and the books that he wrote and the photographs uh, that he took. He did take, during that time of writing these letters corresponding with, uh, with Miss Martinelli, he did take photographs, but they weren't published yet. And um, in his letters, and that is the reason why I chose to, to publish them, um, um, also last year, um, there's a uh, you know, it becomes very clear that his ideas um about the nature of reality never changed and and they were also always very profound and and he had early information about um spacecraft coming here that was only confirmed later on uh, you know he writes about several uh, episodes where craft were uh, spotted and, and radio reports uh, came out and uh, and I've uh, I've uh, brought in uh, to publish it in, in my book as well uh, some clippings about that so it just shows how how interested he was and how well informed he was when um, to the public you know very little was known at the time. Uh, and uh, so that that block of correspondence with Miss Martinelli, uh, I, I think, is of special interest. But then later on, you know, he wrote to many, many people. He received letters from all over the world. And I wish there, uh, you know, there would be a, a searchable database or something. Uh, and I've been fortunate to to find several. Um, um, uh, bunches of correspondence and, and in, some are, have been published in books um, by, you know, when they, when he wrote to other authors um, and, and they all, they all show that he's been consistent throughout his life with his teachings, with his views. And he didn't change as some people accused him um, you know, moving into the flying saucer business because he thought he could get uh, could make easy money there. You know, it was nothing nothing like that. Uh, he had an early interest in in um, um, space and and visitors from space, and his his views uh, never changed on that, and he's always been consistent in his descriptions. Yeah, and if. Adamski has been consistent with his descriptions. I, you know, he he had um, 
you do have examples of the uh, painting that he had uh, commissioned of Orthon. Um, You you do have uh, people like Michael, uh, you know, Michael Carter uh, can show you photos of uh, or samples of the, the people who had visited him uh, on some of the video uh, shows that he's done. You know, there's what maybe some of the Nordic traits in the Orthon um, painting. Um, That's consistent with what we continue to uh some people continue to be eyewitnesses too mm. yes and i'm not surprised um Adamski was told and all the other early contactees were told that the human form is universal um, you find it all over the universe there there are differences uh, you know just this is there are differences in 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 the human form on our on our planet some people are short some are very tall some people are are white and others are black and, and every color in between um, but you know and there's different facial features um, and so you know there are differences between the um, the general human form on different planets um, but uh, yeah, some some of them are very very much like us, like uh, um, Adamski's contacts uh, from Venus. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of uh, the appearances of the space visitors, uh, the there are the couple photos you have on page 54 from an Italian. Right, uh, yes. Uh, Roberto Perego. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Okay, yeah, there's yeah, the uh, human form. There's not, you know, it's like it, it, in the early 50s, you know, you get the. Uh, portrayal of you know, Martians like uh, was it Marty the Martian with the antenna and they're green and uh, okay, but when you start dealing with the uh, George's paintings as well as the photographs, you know we are seeing that the. Uh, People from other planets are very similar to uh, the human form, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 you know other other guests we've had ha- have discussed uh, uh, maybe some of the angels that appear in the Bible that are suddenly there talking with uh, you know Paul on the uh, what the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. and then they're suddenly gone. Uh, there's no indication that uh, they're, they're that much different looking from um, yeah from us. They, they just have the 
the power of just suddenly being there and then disappearing. You know, they they give their message and then they disappear. So, uh, what what do we see about in this uh, photo from uh, Dr. Perego? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Alberto Perego uh, was an Italian consul um, who became Adamski's main contact. Adamski, um, because his book, Flying Sources Have Landed, and, and his following book, Inside the Spaceships, uh, was met with such enthusiasm that uh, you know they were translated uh, within a few years in many, many other languages. Um, actually, not in Italian, uh, uh, as it happens, um, but it was noted by uh, Dr. Perego, uh, who was uh, instrumental in, in documenting, collecting all everything that he could uh, in terms of publications about uh, newspaper reports and photographs uh, about flying saucers that were cited. Uh, and he published many of his clippings in his books. He published his own books and also uh, George Adamski's accounts and, and photos. And Dr. Perego became um, uh, the main contact for Adamski in Italy, one of the main contacts uh, in response to the many requests for more information to questions that people asked from around the world, Adamski um, set up a network of correspondence, an international network called the Get Acquainted Program. And, and Dr. Perego became the Italian contact for the Get Acquainted Program. And it did branches in, in many different countries, including Africa. Um, and uh, Dr. Perego himself, he was interesting because he was also a protagonist in an Italian case of mass contact with extraterrestrial visitors in, in uh, underground bases in Italy. And uh, as such, he uh, came in a possession of uh, photographs of uh, a pilot of, uh, of a UFO or a flying saucer. Um, which he published in in uh, two of his books, and and I in, I reproduced uh, two of those photographs in in my book to illustrate how how much alike, how much similar, how similar they are in in appearance uh, to us. They're a bit grainy, of course, uh, mm -hmm. given the circumstance. I don't know exactly where the photographs were taken, if they were taken inside the ship or just outside. They were taken. Um, of a pilot uh, of a UFO after it had landed in uh, Italy in, in 1957. Um, so, but but he gives a uh, Dr. Perego gives a nice description, um, mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know, so yeah, they're black and white and they're a bit grainy, but uh, they're quite clear. Yeah, no, it, um, I, I I thought that was a fascinating addition to your book I and, and, and you know we couple that with the orthon painting and George's uh, drawing and uh, we just are able to uh, piece together more of what was going on at the time or like right. to, yeah and you know, uh, George, you, you know, you needed to eat, eat dinner, and I, I have something I, I need to do. But you know, we, we, we can go for a few more minutes, and 
Um, I was, you know, wondering if you wanted to, uh, you know, uh, talk about it for about another seven minutes or so. Um, after all of these you know, experiences, rare, unique experiences that George Adamski had, what did he learn? What are some messages that we can uh, learn from his experiences? Um, Interestingly, uh, the message um, isn't really new. Uh, it's the same message that we've been given through uh, the teachers that we know, you know, from from uh, uh, religious teachings, uh, Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and who have you, Muhammad. Um, they are not they are not different at all. Um, but um, what's what's really um, what I find really moving is the uh, the teaching that he receives or the philosophy that he receives and and uh, described very very eloquently in in his book inside the spaceships um, from um, his contacts um, in space uh, visitors from space and they um, they urge us to see each other human beings on this planet as brothers and sisters we see each other as a human family uh, sharing the same planet as our home we don't have another planet to go to uh, there's no need they say to, to compete for a living if we work together if we share the resources that we have on this this planet is so bountiful they say and you know even even without their their um uh, that technology we have achieved so much already um, on our own um, if only we would share that we would eliminate so much suffering and and many people will say yeah you know and indeed that's been told that's been said so many times and who's going to who's going to fix that who's going to bring humanity how, how are we going to get everyone to do that but it's a matter of knowing oneself. You know, it starts with yourself. If if you um, and and uh, uh, both in in the philosophy of his contact and in his own teaching, Adamski uh, uh, expands on you know what we've known for centuries. Know yourself, and you know all things. If you know yourself, it's also you know the uh, one of the uh, axioms from the uh, uh, Delphic Oracle, the Oracle in Delphi, in the ancient Greek Greece. Um, we are urged to to learn about ourselves, to to know ourselves, and, and that means not you know your your current identity in this incarnation, but who you fundamentally, who we fundamentally are as human beings, as um, physical manifestations of a spiritual or divine reality um, who all have their individual talents uh, to contribute uh, 
then it really isn't very difficult to come together and to elect parties that, uh, you know, uh, in our name, govern our countries and the world for the betterment of all. Um, and, and that is, uh, in, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, the message that he was given and, and, and the, uh, the message that he taught throughout his life. Okay. Uh, that sounds like a good message to end with. Um, yeah, you'll you'll be back with uh, Barbara to continue this discussion at uh, the end of May, I think it is. Um, so it, hopefully. Between now and the end of May, uh, people can uh, go to you know, your website and or and or Amazon to order your books. How? Uh, what are? What's all your contact information uh, where they can get a copy of? your insightful writings on this <clears throat> enigmatic figure from early ufology um, there's um, my my books and and, uh, and um, um, you know my public appearances on podcasts and, and other shows and and, and talks uh, um, can be found on my website uh, bgapublications.nl it's in English, uh, but my books can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all the major online booksellers. Um, I don't sell books through my website, um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, um, Amazon and and the usual other suspects uh, are uh, the go-to places uh, for for my books. Um, uh, several. I wrote several on George Adamski, but also several on more generally on on the early contactees and pointing out the uh, the similarities between their uh, experiences and, and accounts. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and uh, 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 yeah, people can find descriptions of my books uh, either on 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 Amazon and or other websites or or on my own website. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, it, it, they're they're really good. That's a, a brief description. So we, um, you know, I think we can you know, just kind of wrap there. I, I I really enjoyed this opportunity, Gerard, and uh, we will continue the conversation in about six weeks and I, uh, and you know we just reviewed the Adamski the Adamski book of UFO UAP disclosure really really enjoyed it and uh, appreciate the opportunity to give us insights into who this major UFO or ufologist w was, and I'm, I'm sure the audience really got a uh, 
background of this enigmatic character. So, well, thank you. I enjoyed it too. I had a great, yeah. great time. Yeah, and you know, like I said, we'll we'll keep talking about it in about six weeks. And uh, thanks again. I know. Uh, enjoy your dinner. I have uh, uh, an appointment. I need to keep too. So, uh, you know. Uh, we will keep talking, and I just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Enjoy the archive as well, and uh, we'll uh, see. You know, you'll see Barbara on a bunch of uh, shows coming out soon as well as she and Ken uh, doing the lecture circuit to discuss there before Roswell. So uh, thanks again, everybody, and we will talk to you. Uh, next week. Thanks again. Bye.